Welcome to the Excel in Retirement Show, where financial planning becomes understandable. Your host, David C. Treese, is a licensed financial advisor who specializes in retirement income planning. Do you know where your income will come from in retirement? David helps people know where their paychecks will come from in retirement. David's desire for each of his clients is to have financial confidence, protection, and growth. We believe this is achievable with the right plan in place. Together, we'll build a plan specific to your financial goals. We work with clients from all over, and we'd love to connect with you. Go to clientsexcel.com to connect with us. If you'd like to speak with us, call our office at 864-641-7955. Thanks for listening. Now to the show. Welcome back to the Excel in Retirement Show. This is episode number 42 already. And it amazes me that we're 42 episodes into this, but we appreciate you listening and we are honored that you would carve out a few minutes to listen in. My goal with this show is to distill a couple financial planning ideas and help you understand them and make it relatable. So Mallory and I took a trip out to Colorado several years ago for a friend's wedding. I had lived in Colorado for three years in my 20s and I love going out west. When you travel so far, though, it only makes sense to make a vacation out of it and make sure you see as much as possible. If you spent much time out west, you may realize that you could spend a lifetime living in one of the western states and still never see it all. Colorado, geographically, is an expansive state. Here's a travel tip. The southwest corner of Colorado is commonly referred to as the Four Corners area. Nestled between two huge mountains out there is a tiny town called Telluride. Go there. It's a beautiful place. When you're standing on the main drag of the town, you feel like you're part of a postcard. I could sit there for hours looking at the mountains. Everyone should have the opportunity to see Telluride. It is an amazing place. There's a small airport there, but most people fly into another airport and make the long drive into the town. But it's worth every minute of that drive. We didn't make it to Telluride on this trip, but we decided to borrow a friend's car in Denver and drive to Glenwood Springs on the western slope. There are natural hot springs there that we had never seen. Our plans were loose at best, and we planned to make the most of the adventure and take it as it came. Our only plan was our destination. So we arrived in Glenwood Springs early that afternoon and found the hot springs. We meandered there for a little while until we got hungry. And as we were enjoying our burritos that we found, we noticed that it was beginning to look a lot like night was near. Our friend had let us borrow a tent to use for that night, but we didn't really plan for where we would camp. After our burritos, we drove around the little town, was doing a little sightseeing, and we finally started ascending a curvy mountain road. We figured we could find somewhere up there to park and to camp somewhere. It was dusk at this point, and Mallory was probably becoming more worried than she let on, but she was being a really good sport about this. By the time we found what we thought was a suitable place to camp, it was basically dark. As we fumbled around the trunk of the car looking for the tent, we found a place to pitch our tent that overlooked Glenwood Springs. It was an amazing view of the town, but not having the benefit of light made it difficult to really find a level, uh, dry place to set our tent up. After all, we were literally on the side of a mountain. After sitting there and taking in the view for a little while, fatigue was really starting to set in, and we were wishing we were already asleep. We were we were ready to be asleep and, and to be uh, resting. 
But our tent, though, was still folded up. So we got our headlamps out and we started trying to figure out how to erect the tent. Once we got it together, we only discovered, though, that we had put it together wrong. There was a big gap at the bottom that wasn't supposed to be there. So we took it down and started all over. It became a stressful situation, and it was probably only a half hour or so, but it felt like hours we had spent looking at that tent, trying to figure out how to put it up in the dark. But somehow we finally figured it out, and I made Mallory promise that she'd never tell anyone how embarrassed I was and how much I struggled with what should have been a simple task. When we start our working career, it's like it's a lot like setting out on that journey from Denver. We're going up our mountain, or so to speak, of life, and we are uh, we've got retirement on the horizon. If we would have had a flat tire just outside of Denver, we could have changed it and been fine and been on our way. If you have a small catastrophe in your 40s, maybe an, a, a medical expense or putting a new roof on your house or something like that, you have time to recover because you've got time on your side. If your 401k experiences a couple of years when it, you're not really earning much or there's a negative market, you probably have some time to recover. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, again, you have the benefit of time on your side. Along the way, though, you throw in a Roth IRA, somebody tells you that's a good idea, or, or another uh, IRA of some sort, and your retirement portfolio, or the trunk of your retirement portfolio, so to speak, then you start working, or then you stop working for a little while, maybe to take care of a spouse, or maybe you got laid off, and then you start another job, and you had an old 401k at that old employer, and you just leave it there, and all the while, you leave these accounts here and there and everywhere. Then you get to retirement and you may start trying to create your retirement tent. You want to use these funds that you've prudently saved over the years, but you really have no direction or plan in place to dictate the best way to pitch your retirement tent. So you may do the best you can because, after all, a broker may have sold you a fancy product and you hope it works out. But what you realize later down the road is your tent has some holes. With holes, you get wet when it rains or your accounts didn't work quite like you'd hoped they did. Or worse yet, you run out of money before you thought you would. The last thing most people want in retirement is to hit these snags along the way. That's a likely event, though, if you don't have directions for how your money is working. Having a written retirement plan is essential to mitigate against many avoidable dangers in retirement. One of the asset managers we use recently released his market commentary for the month. His name is Jeremy Van Arkel, and he's a chartered financial analyst with Frontier Asset Management. He states in his writing, there are so many similarities between what is happening now and what took place in 1999 that is uncanny. Jeremy continued, first off in 1999, or excuse me, first off, 1999 occurred following a long and extended bull market. Ten years into that bull market, the obvious leaders of the day were known and investors couldn't get enough of them. This created a narrow investment market environment, much like that of today with Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and Microsoft. He goes on to explain that those six stocks comprise, comprise an overweighting in the NASDAQ and the S&P. He states, in theory, one would only need to invest in those six stocks to continue making a return. But that's not rational or prudent. He analogizes the same thing was happening in 1999 with technology stocks. 
Later in Jeremy's commentary, he gives 10 reasons why today's current stock market is eerily similar to 1999. And I would be happy to forward this to you. You can just email me at david at clients excel and I will uh, reply with this uh, report or commentary that Jeremy wrote in here to you. But the 10 reasons why now is eerily similar to, to 1999. Here they are. For a short period of time, the number one performing stock last year was the wrong Zoom. With investors frantically buying popular names, dyslexic tixer, tixer, <laughs> tickers became an actual strategy. Number two, so people were buying the wrong stocks thinking they had those. We saw that a couple times with Zoom and, and another stock. They were, they were just chasing a return. Kodak investors hundreds, Kodak received hundreds of millions of dollars from the government for no rational reason, and the stock went up 30-fold. Who's used a Kodak product recently? Not me. I remember maybe 15 years ago. Number three, the online herd took a run at the already bankrupt Hertz, you know, the rental car place. And, a conse- as, a, and as a consequence, the stock went up five-fold while being worthless. Number four, Tesla stock rose from $90 a share to over $800 last year, leaving it with a price-to-earnings ratio of over 1000 Tesla was added to the S&P 500 index near this ridiculous valuation. Number five, not to be outdone, electric car designer, not maker, mind you. They do not even have a factory, nor do they produce any cars for sale. Nikola, aren't they clever, was valued for a short while at over $30 billion. The CEO stepped down on fraud allegations. The company is still worth $9 billion. Number six, the cryptocurrency revolution has taught dudes standing around in bars that fee- what fiat currency is. And he talks about this in his commentary uh, for a couple paragraphs. Number seven, similar to 1999, options volume has skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Further, there were 407 IPOs or initial public offerings in the U.S. in 2020 as private equity owners scrambled to unload their holdings on the public. The previous annual record was 1999 with 486 IPOs. <clears throat> excuse me. Number eight, there are five, <clears throat> excuse me, there are eight million registered degenerates, their term, not mine, on the Wall Street Bets subreddit. Just as we now need to understand social media's impact on politics and society, we also need to accept its presence in capital markets. So this is referring back to the GameStop, uh, or GameStop, uh, fiasco we had a couple months ago where, and we recorded a podcast on that. What episode was that? I believe that was episode number 36 back on the beginning of February, February 3rd. Uh, we recorded a podcast on that. So go back and check that out. Number nine, the thundering herd of combined trades from these social media day traders has now captured the nation's attention. This time around short squeezes. Next time, who knows? Number 10, finally, if on any given day the stock market doesn't go up, we need to know why. And the federal government somehow, someone better do something about it, stat. So he concludes by saying, how does this all end? And what, if anything, should we do about it? Are these signs of a stable and efficient market environment? I will let you decide. What I personally learned, this is Jeremy talking, in 1999, is that there is no way to win in a bubble. I find it best to simply not participate. That way I can sit back, watch, and enjoy the show. The second thing that I learned is that there's a difference between an investment and a speculation. Here's the rule to live by, so ears up. 
An investment is an asset you can hold forever. If investors only chose investments in line of the idea that they could never sell them, they would make much better decisions. A speculation, on the other hand, is when investments are chosen with the idea and intent that they will be sold at a higher price. At our firm, Clients Excel, we use asset managers whose philosophy resonates with ours. At Jeremy's firm, they are forward-looking. Many people will talk about past performance in relation to the market, but what that fails to communicate is that the future will be vastly different from the past. It's important when positioning your portfolio to have someone who's anticipating the future rather than someone who is looking to the past for what may happen in the future. Change happens fast. Is your portfolio geared for rapid changes in the days ahead? We would love to help you and answer any questions you might have. You can always email me at david at clientsexcel.com or you can uh, ring our office at 864-641-7955. We'll see you next week and thanks again for listening. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.